your business can gain commercial insight, key networking opportunities, and be part of the discussion as it happens in the global aeronautical and aerospace sector. Learn how to contribute to best practices and support the world's largest body of aeronautical and aerospace professionals by joining the Royal Aeronautical Society Corporate Partner Scheme. Visit www.aerosociety.com membership. We are proud to present the following lecture. All content published by the Royal Aeronautical Society is subject to our website terms of use. Visit aerosociety.com for more information. First of all, it's a pleasure to be here um, and, and briefing you on this subject. I would like to offer this. Sometimes when we go through these lectures, this lecture is for you. If there's something I say and you don't understand, please feel free to ask a question. If I can't answer the question in 30 seconds, we can take it offline, okay? So I'm okay with questions as we go. Happy to answer questions after the fact, too. I just don't want you stuck going through this. Um, we're going to discuss fast rotorcraft. And we're, what we're going to do is, at least from Sikorsky's perspective, we're going to focus on our X2 technology and show you a little bit of some of the things that we've been doing there. Now, on, the, on this thing, what we'd like to do is have an overview. We'll go through the X2 and what it is. We'll go through some of the advantages of that type of helicopter. And it is, by the way, a helicopter. And then we'll touch on the applications. Realize the applications, uh, uh, there are a lot of different applications. And, and, you know, much as it is, in the end, it's got to be useful to a customer. Now, there is a, a, a I do have to mention, uh, my career has been uh, mainly in the upfront design stuff, the conceptual design phase, preliminary design, setting up these aircraft. Uh, some of the aircraft that you're going to see is... Uh, uh, there are development teams that we, we, we uh, that I have to recognize that are uh, fixing the problems of these aircraft flying. And I also have up there Michael Strauss. Michael Strauss actually did run some of the numbers that you'll see up here, uh, just to give him mention for that too. Now Igor Sikorsky, uh, he, I, I, he always had a passion for helicopters. As most of you probably know, he built uh, fixed-wing aircraft. He built flying boats. And finally, there was a thing that came along was the, the engine. The engine caught up where it started to enable helicopters. And I do remember a video listening to him talk about the helicopters. Somebody was comparing it to a fixed-wing aircraft. And basically what he said was, you will never go as fast as that fixed-wing aircraft. You, will, you won't. You won't be as inefficient as that fixed-wing aircraft, but you will be able to take out of areas that that aircraft can't take out of, take, uh, take off from. So that's an important thing, just like any aircraft, any VTOL aircraft. It enables, it, it enables something. And, so, and one of the things that was drilled into me when I first started at that place is how do I start with a clean sheet of paper the next design? And what he said was, always go back to the previous one or the one that was closest to it. You have to learn from that, or else you're going to start recreating again and be making the same mistakes. So 
The future is fast, although sometimes we may not think so. The aircraft are going to be faster. Time is really the thing that we're going after. Although we engineers, we talk about speed and knots, it is time is the important thing to our customers. And, there, and speed is not the only thing. There are other technologies out there that are also going to enable speed. For example, Sikorsky's Matrix and Sarah aircraft, that right there is an autonomous aircraft which you can fly via a tablet. It's, it can be optionally piloted. And when you hear optionally piloted, it means crew workload reduction. It means that flight crew can do other things. And especially if you think in terms of a military operations, that allows the, that flight crew to focus on that military operations. So you can imagine a military aircraft that's designed to fly fast down low, and now it needs to avoid things. Trees, buildings, wires, birds, etc. That aircraft of the future, if they can get help flying down low and keep their speed up, not flying at 60 knots, you've got an enabler there. So that's another, that's a technology that we're also working on, and it's going to dovetail very nicely into low-flying fast helicopters. Now, there are also technologies that are out there that are going to enhance your product. As much as I think some of the need, I, 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 I had a friend when I was first starting out at Sikorsky. He was a Canadian fighter pilot, flew mosquitoes, flew Spitfires, flew Mustangs. And I asked him, what was his favorite airplane he flew? He said, fighter-wise, it was a Spitfire. It was lighting the controls. He said, uh, although his favorite one was a Tiger Moth. So I think that the point is, is that those aircraft out there were very simpler much back then I think the aircraft of the future is going to have intelligence built into that aircraft so it knows what it's doing, not unlike our bodies when our bones hurt. Intelligent aircraft. So there's going to be health management on that aircraft that's going to be looking at it. You're going to have autonomy built in so it's going to know how to fly. Crew workload reduction. And then the math that's got to go behind it, the physics, etc. This is all going to get linked up. And this is, this is where our focus is. Every product we outline is going to have this in it. Now, the other part of it is looking backwards. What we've got to realize is got to focus on the aircraft. The successful ones are the ones that are relevant. Okay? Blackhawk, at least for us, for an example, very successful aircraft. I would think, at least, at least from what I see back in the States, B-52 was developed in the 50s. C-130 was developed in the late 50s, early 60s. Those aircraft have been around for a long time. And from what I understand, this aircraft here is going to be around to 2070. So the aircraft that we're thinking of of the future want to be relevant. As engineers, we have to make them relevant. Relevant to the end user. So what's X2 technology? Well, I, do we have pilots in the room here? Beautiful. So you know with the helicopter, you've got type N forward flight speeds because you've got uh, differential speed. That picture that you see up at the top is a plan view of a traditional helicopter. When you're sitting in a hover, the velocities of the blade on the left-hand side and the right-hand side are the same. But when you move that helicopter forward, 
you've got your forward flight velocity, you've got to start adding and subtracting. So you can see, at least for U.S. helicopters, uh, advancing, advancing side, you're going to theoretically have more lift. And on the other side, the retreating side, that lift has gone down. So you've got this area where you don't have lift. So you can see in the front view, you've got a lot more potential lift, but you can't use it because you've got to keep that aircraft balanced. So what the X2 technology does, it's a high-speed rigid rotor, so that lift that you see, you can take advantage of it on either side of that aircraft. That's fundamentally what this aircraft is as compared to other coaxes. So Sikorsky, uh, Sikorsky back in the uh, late 60s, early 70s, they had uh, uh, a demonstrated aircraft, the SH-59, uh, also known as the S-67, advancing blade concept, the ABC. And ultimately, that aircraft flew in the early 70s to about 240 knots. Now, in 1981, it was retired. I do remember seeing that thing fly. It was very exciting. But it did have some issues, technical issues, high vibes, which you can imagine. Workload was pretty high, especially when you had those turbojet engines on there. Uh, low propulsive efficiency because you had turbine en uh, uh, turbojet engines on that aircraft. And rotor drag was pretty high. Back uh, somewhere around uh, 2005, I picked up the Advanced Concepts Group. Uh, my boss at the time, he was developing the uh, X2 technology demonstrator. We wanted to jump back into this thing. We wanted to make it affordable, so we kept the gross weight down about 6,000 pounds. That aircraft ultimately flew 250 knots, and it did it fairly quickly. Did get a Collier Trophy, but that aircraft right there did, had limited volume. Okay, limited use for load. And again, keep in mind the relevant piece. So what we did was decided to go a, a production representative aircraft, the S-97 Raider. Now that aircraft, if you look over on the right-hand side, down at the bottom, there was a mission that was envisioned that it would be a scout aircraft, a recon aircraft, and a special operations aircraft, take five, four or six people in the back cabin. That's why the configuration is what it is. So it was, it was configured with a rigid coaxial rotor system. It had one YT-706 engine in it with growth to ultimately an ITE engine, an advanced technology engine. It's got a uh, conventional transmission in it, although it's turning two different rotor systems. There's nothing really fancy about that. Uh, it was decided to make, because of the speeds, to make elevators and rudders active. The, uh, it has a propeller on the clutch, and a clutch. What that allows you to do, what the propeller allows you to do is fly more level body attitude, get your L over Ds a little bit higher than a traditional helicopter. It's got a clutch that you can disengage it when you're slower so that you can be quiet. And again, thinking in terms of combat situation, that's an important thing. Thinking in terms of commercial operations, depending upon where you wanted to go, and you didn't need that prop, you can turn the prop off. It was designed for the cabin like what you see. That's a functional thing. Weapons were going to go on the outside. What happens when you put on weapons on the outside? The aircraft goes a little bit slower. But as a package, you've got an aircraft that's faster than other helicopters that are out there. Tent was, 
crew too, although someday I'll, I'll tell you, uh, uh, my briefings to the United States Army, they envision the time where in many instances it could be flown by one crew. And again, that depends on the intelligence that gets put on these aircraft here. Retractable landing gear keeps speeds up, okay? So these are the goals that were set right now. This is what they're, what they're still chasing, and I'll touch on it a little bit more. Now, uh, it used the technology from that previous aircraft in a, in a slightly larger aircraft. Now, this wasn't just Sikorsky that did this. This, wa this was, though, this wasn't government funded. This was Sikorsky funded and all the other companies that you see there. Teaming's a big thing. I think in the future, with every program, there'll be a big opportunity for teaming. People saw, saw this. This aircraft was briefed. They saw it as something exciting for the future that was different. Now, S-97 Raider test program started flying in uh, 2015. Uh, there's three major pieces of that test program there. There's a system integration lab. Software is written. Our pilots will fly the aircraft in the SIL, and then that same software would go on the aircraft so that he could fly it. So this, this was the standard loop, any change that would happen. There was a uh, transmission system test bed, and on there, well, as you can see, there's a rotor system, there is uh, the gearbox, the propeller system, the drive shaft, et cetera. And the idea was to get hours on that so we would have confidence when the aircraft did put that, when we did put that in the air. And the aircraft, you can see the aircraft right there. It's done over 200 knots right now. This is all internally funded right now, Sikorsky. So it's at our pace right now. And uh, done over 200 knots, started to do maneuvers like what you see. And this aircraft does have a unique thing. Every aircraft I flew, you've had to fly attitude to get your speeds depending upon, et cetera. You could fly that aircraft attitude independent. So it was, it was kind of an interesting thing. I, it was one of those things I wish I saw it, but when I started hearing about it, it means you can point a sensor. It means that you can point a weapon system. We had our Coast Guard uh, pilots fly the simulator. It was interesting to watch them. We had a, that, that sim right there, we had a uh, ship there. If They flew out to the ship, and when they got there, they dropped the nose, and they started looking around the aircraft because they could see it now. They had a clear view. So it's, a, it's another knob that the pilot could, could go use. Now, flights, uh, I understand, late last week was in the 40s. I was told this week they expect to be up to about 50 flight hours right now in the pursuit of pushing speed. Now, here's how the radar compares with some of the other aircraft out there. This is, this is one of the production representative prototypes that we have. And as you saw before, it was to be a SOCOM aircraft. It was to be a, I'm sorry, a SOCOM, carry troops, also do arm recon. So you can see it, it was targeted after some of the smaller aircraft that are up there right now. It is smaller than a Blackhawk, roughly half. I do know some of our options we've looked at, the weight has grown operationally. They're going to grow when customers decide what they, in fact, really want to put on that aircraft. 
That aircraft speeds are roughly, when you think about a helicopter, what are they really doing sometimes, 130 knots? Maybe it's 120. Maybe you can dash out at 150. Practically speaking, this one they saw about 100 knots faster. Okay? This was the goal, targeted 220, et cetera. And, and when, when you hear the speeds, at least in my, my, my briefings that it was, it was always needed to be representative of how the customer would, in fact, see that. And the Black Hawks there upper, you know, about 22,000 pounds. So this comparison. We just flew in March, late March, the Defiant. Now, in that, that program, we are a team with Boeing on this. This aircraft is, is a, a bigger aircraft. It is a heavier salt aircraft. And we're pretty excited about that one, too. I'll show you a video in a minute. Now, every time we would look at a uh, new concept, for example, arm recon for the Army, might be uh, exploration of a commercial variant, might be a uh, briefing to our Marine Corps or even Navy, we'll start with some of the basics and just reset as to what are we doing, how do we uh, perceive their needs are. They may not be requirements on a piece of paper yet. And what we'll do is we'll run through a bunch of different options. Now, up there, traditional helicopter, we show the Blackhawk again. That coax is the S-69, Sikorsky. That helicopter, which looks like a 61, was a Sikorsky product where we were looking at an articulating tail rotor so we could get thrust and forward flight and torque, anti-torque, in a hover. X2 Technologies, which you see right there, that's a Raider. We flew a compound helicopter, the S-67. That was an aircraft that was targeted to be an attack aircraft. That had a dynamic system, basically, that was taken off of an S-61. We have the X-Wing there. These were main rotor blades that was ultimately intended to be blown to create lift and fly like a fighter plane. You can see a little rendition there. That program was canceled. And over here, these are other Lockheed aircraft, now that we're part of Lockheed. Lockheed had the Cheyenne in the 60s. They had vibration problems on that. That got canceled. The Apache came along instead. And then uh, there's directed thrust, the F-35B, which uh, has a connection to the Harrier, right? And all these have different roles. They all have different advantages. They all have different suit spots. So we have to look at where does it tend to fit. Now, comparison upon uh, where we are right now, just to get a sense for it, and I'm thinking a little bit like a pilot, where they're going to operate, how fast they're going to do, what missions do they have to do, where do they have to go. So you can see an air, uh, a black oak down there, it's 22,000 pounds. Maybe gross weight is a little less important. You've got a Raider there at 11,000 pounds or so. It's a little bit higher than that right now, and maybe 220 knots. You've got a Harry, uh, I'm sorry, you've got an F-35B at its 40 to 60,000 pounds, depending. And it's a, you know, it does mock, some mock number. And you can see the size comp comparison here. Now, what's interesting, when we show our fixed wing people this picture, I think they recognize how much stuff they've got to fit in a small space. Right now, the F-35s, you can put antennas on wings, et cetera and get that to work. So 
We go through the, we go through the, this is a stoplight chart. We'll run some numbers on some of the key ones. I did this on DARPA X-Plane to try to understand the operational relevance of what we're trying to do. It's not enough just to design an aircraft. What are we trying to do with it as an end game? So expanded this a little bit in the context of this right here. So what we did was we broke down some of the attributes and something that might mean something as an operational aircraft. Performance, speed clearly. That's aircraft performance. Weight empty fraction. Okay, that's going to be an indicator as to how much useful load you have. That's fuel, that's payload, that's mission systems. We got hover efficiency. Can I take this stuff off? Do rotor systems get big? Cruise efficiency, how far can I go, right? It's about where can I go? And then we've got simplicity. Do we have to reconfigure or not? There's a simplicity part of this thing. How about the dry system? It's complex, not complex. Do we have, does it have other demands that it has to go set? Operational relevance, how mission flexible do we think it is? Can we put troops under it? Can we put passengers underneath it? Can we put weapons on it? What does it mean? What about sensors? Th sensors? Are they going to get blocked by certain things? Spot factor, can it fit on board a ship? And the last one would be reliability. And that was really a number of parts, basically. So some of this is subjective, some is not. The key thing is what we wanted to do is take a bunch of different con VTOL configurations and rack and stack them. So we put a filter on this, simple filter, and we said, at least from where we see high-speed helicopters are going, speed's going to take traditional helicopters off this list. Well, no, I'll be the first to say there's nothing wrong with a conventional helicopter given the distances that you need to go and the speed you need, need to get, time you need to get there, the time that you've got to spend. But in the, in the context of the future fleet, speed is the one thing. The next one, what we did was I took the things out that I would consider are more UAVs. So the coax that you see there as a tail sitter or the tail sitter rotoblown wing, which I was chief engineer on, took those off the list because right now head is around a manned aircraft, man, putting people in, in the aircraft. And then the bottom ones took those off because there were a lot of reds, they were high weight fractions, they were complicated, et cetera. And we're left with what you see here. Now, it's interesting to take a look at that. Except for the traditional helicopter, I mean, I, I think that's where I'm finding most people's head, heads are for a fast helicopter. Is it a compound? Is it an X2? Is it a tilt rotor or a tilt wing? We went with an X2. So getting into a little bit finer detail, so the first thing we wanted to measure, take a look at was the ability to take, its ability to take off, and that's hover efficiency. So what we have along the bottom is this loading. What we have going on on the, on the left-hand axis is uh, power loading. You can see we've got some spot, aircraft spotted on there for calibration, existing aircraft or things that have flown, and we've put some concepts together that Mike Strauss ran. So you can see what we have here is better is up, ideal. You'll never get ideal, but at least you've got a measure and you're looking to where you want to go. So you can see in this case, it looked as if a coax, a Raider, X2, and a tilt wing might be a better answer. Now, I didn't say they were. I said they might be because it depends upon where everything. It's a compromise. And part of that was 
was your vertical drag. What are you blocking? Unfortunately, unfortunately with a tote rotor, you've got a wing you're blocking. So you can see that one's down a little bit lower there in the yellow. And some of the compounds, you've got a wing that block it. You really want the wing out of the way when you're sitting there in a hover. So those kind of be favored. Now, now, what you don't want to do is just take that as the gospel, and that's everything right there. That's, you're looking for indicators, right? You're taking, right, let's measure it. Let's see where it goes. So the next thing was the ability to go places, this cruise. Okay, so I, I couldn't show you the speeds. There are things faster out there than an X2, the Raider there. Uh, there's some that come close, but we thought that that would, be a good, that would be a good compromise to still get good helicopter capabilities. Now, the other part of it is it's not just speed. It is L over D. What, fixed-wing transports or 16, 18 or so, helicopters in the four or five maybe, depending on the condition, depending how it's configured, depending upon you know, how you, what, what that aircraft looks like. And the radar look like, and the compounds look like they're somewhat in the middle there, maybe six-ish. They might get a little bit higher, maybe a little bit less, depending on how you're going to configure it operationally. So that one we, we thought was good. The other one is the, uh, this is a funny chart, the ability to do work. This doesn't show what I wanted to show, because we have everything in a cluster in the middle there. Stuff, suffice to say, the lower weight weight empty fraction you have, or the higher useful load fraction is, the better aircraft you're going to have in order to go do mission work, fundamentally all said and done. I did pull out a few of those that, at least when we looked at the points, some of this is subjective, tilt rotors and tilt wings were fundamentally a little bit heavier because you've got articulating mechanisms which have to move wings and its cells. You've got compounds out there that, unfortunately, they have a wing. Otherwise, they probably do better. And then you've got the regular rotor stuff that seem to kind of fare better. Now, how you configure your aircraft, specifics of the mission, any constraints you have on that aircraft is going to change all these answers a little bit. These are clean sheet designs with a fixed engine. So the other, another one that we have to consider is you know, I mean, operationally, where do we want to op uh, have this aircraft operate from? So, does it fit? Does it fit in a ship hangar? Does it fit on a small ship? Does it fit on a frigate, on a DGG? Does it fit on the flight deck? Will it fit in a C-17, at least for, from the United States perspective, or an A-400 or something? Can we air transport that aircraft? You can see fundamentally... Things with bigger rotors are going to be worse. Things with smaller rotors, which tend to be X2, will fare to be a little bit better. I think those compounds, you probably want to really redesign those with smaller wings anyways. And anything that had a wing is going to be a tight fit. Now, that could also be an indication of an intersection that you want to operate from. Again, this is a customer call. Sometimes we get boxes that we have to fit aircraft within, which are proxies for other things that it was about wanting to fit, operate from a certain perspective. I could see a heliport someplace in a big city. I could see uh, in, a, in a combat area, in an urban environment, that smaller size is going to fare better. Okay, again, as a designer, right, you're, you know, our job is to queue it up, then go have those discussions with the customer, go figure out how they want to use their aircraft in the future.
So the other one is uh, being able to adapt. Okay, the handling qualities of the aircraft. Now, over on the left-hand side, what we have is speeds. I cut it off at 500 for 150 for a reason. And load factor. You can see helicopters tend to do very well down slow. X2s are starting to come up. The coax starts okay, bleeds off. The tilt road, the wing things do better at the high speeds. Now, the reason why I set it at 150 knots, because I knew, at least from Sikorsky's perspective, it's focused on arm recon. And when you think in terms of the battlefield and what a recon aircraft does, it has to get out there fast. And when it gets there, it has to then be able to stay there for a long period of time. So to me, at least as a designer, as a pilot, that means fly at your best endurance speeds. And that's roughly where you want to be, the 80 to 120 knots or so. That's where you want to operate your aircraft. So if you're the most maneuverable aircraft there, you might be able to avoid a threat. Notice I said might. Okay? So this is why we think that that was a little bit better. The other part of it is on the right-hand side was raw handling qualities. Pitching the aircraft, rolling the aircraft. We show scatter from data we had for traditional helicopters. Utility and attack, they tended to change. Uh, we had up there, what we saw is the radar, because it was agile, you could, you could adapt that aircraft faster. And tilt rotor, we had some information that was like it was below, it was, wasn't level one, but we see indications, and I think if you read the press today, they're doing per, uh, uh, Bell is doing pretty well with the tilt rotor, get it level one handling qualities. And the same thing over roll, it's pretty consistent there too. You can see some data points that we had with respect to Raider. So we're pretty upbeat, at least from the, from the uh, uh, handling qualities. Now, so what we did was we took all of these. Now, these were numbers we had I can't show you. So we non-dimensional made one the best. Did a little bit of math, and I will, to be honest, to be fair, some of those you could argue you could change that there would be yellows, there would be one, but this is Sikorsky's perspective, okay? So we have the rack and stack, the single main rotor, the coax, the radar, some compounds, and wing VTOL devices. And we looked at speeds, max speed, you got to get there to get to work. Operating with, where can you operate that aircraft? Low speed handling qualities. Low speed, I'm sorry, low speed load factor, low speed handling qualities, and time on station. At the time we did this, the focus was uh, 350, 15 kilometers, 135 nautical miles, correct my math, and then the noise. And what we saw is the X2 would be the least, we thought, we think that be most favorable for a combat situation. The uh, wing things are too big for fit. Actually had low mission performance. We use fixed engines because our army has a new engine coming out. That was pretty clear they wanted us to use it. 3,000 shaft horsepower, brand new engine out there. We're not going to reinvent it. And we couldn't get the fuel on board to make the wing things fly longer, believe it or not. And the low speed handling qualities, although it may be passable, we just, again, this is Sikorsky's perspective. 
the other ones, I would say, uh, speed compounds, uh, they were below targets. If you want to drop your operating speeds, those would start to go more green. And the same thing with the single main rotor coaxes. We know we can make single main rotors fly faster. They're going to be vibes, and we're going to come up the rotor limits in the end. We could push that. When we do that, by the way, power is going to go up and starts to snowball. So it's not a free lunch, right? That's Sikorsky's perspective on X2. So what is X2 technology? We have plan view of a, a rotor system, dynamic system for a conventional helicopter that you can see right there. It's a split torque drive, got an APU up front, batteries, et cetera. And we've got a twin engine radar down there. It's interesting. A couple of new, a few nuances on these two. They look fairly similar. The X2 has one less gearbox, okay? The uh, tail rotor drive shaft, you lose that. You, gotta, you can't land on a rig. You're not going to put it in a small sh spot. You're going to put it someplace you can do a wheel landing. You're going to have to take it home. The uh, X2, you can lose that prop. You don't have to fly home on it. It flies like a helicopter. So there's a safety aspect implied by that too. Now, what that aircraft also does too, because you've got the power on board, at least the point designs that we had there, you had the power on board to fly the speed meant you had the power on board to take off in different conditions. So we're comparing on top an X-2 versus a traditional helicopter. So as an example, it'll change depending upon where you're operating from. Uh, you've got much more area coverage than you would a traditional helicopter. That's because of the power on board. The second thing what you have is, I'm going to start on the bottom, it would probably read better. That OH-58 there, if you didn't need to put weapons on target, you're going to have to set the aircraft up to get the weapon on the target, and you're going to have to fly accordingly and then fly away from that target. So you've got a short engagement time. The X-2, you get the pitch pointing, which I'll show you in a minute. Okay, what you can do is you can get the, t you can get the uh, weapon or the sensor or whatever you're trying to do on the target. You can even back up. I had a, uh, uh, we were working with our Army, an OH-58 pilot. It was interesting watching him and an Apache pilot figure out what they would do with this aircraft. So they were doing the, you know, the MMO, you know, the MMO thing that the fixed-wing guys would do. He says, heck, I'm, I'm gonna, I'd do a roll, I'd come back, and then I'd back up and get out of there. And I'm like, wow, I don't know if I can do that myself. So they, there are other things that the pilots are going to find with that aircraft. The other one is the acoustics there. Now, you can design either helicopter to be even quieter but this is trying to get an A-B comparison as to what it is. You can get a lot closer with the X-2 because you can turn that prop off. Now, when I saw, when I saw the, X the X-2 tech demonstrator fly in West Palm Beach a few years ago, they had the prop on when they're going by. Now, to me, it sounded like a World War II fighter, which was music to my ears. But if you have people that are out there that are looking for you with gun sights, yeah, maybe the opportunity when you get near the bad guys to turn that off to be quiet is advantageous. It's another knob that you can use. So X2, you can fly it like a traditional helicopter. You can take off. You can pull collective. You can take off. You can, you can nose it over, apply cyclic, accelerate, and what you can do is flare at the back end, put it down. You can't fly it that way. What you can also do is you can take off level body attitude, 
pop the prop in, Axel, and you can put that in reverse pitch and keep it level body attitude. Now, this is, the, this, this is more for the pilots. Why would you want to do that? Keep a weapon on site, keep a sensor on site. You got a medevac patient in the back, you want to keep it level. If you got a VIP aircraft and you don't want your passengers to spill their drinks. I mean, there's a lot of different things. Okay, it is a knob for the pilot. So you can accel, decel with a prop. What you can also do is pitch point that aircraft, simple vectors. You can put the nose of the aircraft down, the vector of the lift is this direction, you can pull it back with a prop, and you can just sit there. I'll show you in a minute in a video. My name is Christian Corey and I'm an experimental test pilot at Sikorsky Aircraft. In the uh, Raider program, I'm, uh, I'm sort of one of the guys that has the opportunity to fly the aircraft, but also participates in some of the uh, developmental meetings and the design, how do we get to the next step, so it's a bit of what we do. You could do things where you'd, you'd want to target something, for example, and you can, you can sort of hang there better than on a traditional helicopter. It gives you more flexibility in how to operate. It's a lot faster than you can go in a traditional helicopter. Um, on X2, you're able to, to go faster without rotating the fuselage. So it's a level attitude that you maintain throughout you know, your, your speed sweep, if you will. difference between a, a fundamental like traditional helicopter and the X2 is that prop that's on the back right it's taken really like the best part of like, a vertical a stovall like a Harrier or the new joint strike fighter that can you know it's this jet that can, can take off or land vertically and then go forward uh, X2 and the Raider can can do that indefinitely the same as a helicopter until it's time to go fast and then it operates better in that regime as well forget everything you know about helicopters X2 technology combines the best elements of low-speed helicopter performance with the cruise performance of an airplane. It's going to change the game. Now we're going to show first flight of the uh, Defiant here, which was, uh, just occurred the end of March. Again, this, this one here would team with Boeing.
has phenomenal hover performance. It has rapid maneuverability, crisp control response due to the rigid rotor, and it has high speed with the pusher prop that enables that Army aviator to do the full spectrum mission. You've got really the best of both worlds. You've got the agility and maneuverability of a helicopter in the low airspeed environment, coupled with the ability to reach the dash speeds of a fixed wing turboprop. Those troops, when they're coming into harm's way, when they're approaching that landing zone and people are shooting at them, that you can keep the heat on until the very last minute, and you've got this giant break in the back that we're able to put negative thrust on that prop and stop on a dime. The ability to maneuver with agility in a low altitude environment, the pilots lie lower, faster, and closer to the terrain. That to me is a tremendous advantage for the warfighter. You know, I think they've done a phenomenal job. I mean, just look at the aircraft, it looks spectacular. So the, the other part of this is uh, operationally, you need to think about where, where these are going to operate. have a plot here of speed of the aircraft that's out there and disloading. And we have some aircraft that you should be familiar with. We plotted this out as to what's out there. R-53K has got one of the higher disloadings, at least for a traditional helicopter. Uh, X-2 is offering speed and actually fairly low downwash because of its lower disc loading. So that, that was something that was important to the Coast Guard crews or anybody working around an aircraft with, with, uh, that was producing lift. So it has small smaller footprint. Show a comparison there for urban fit. Can, can for the smaller variant fit two in a C-17 and depending on rotor diameter, putting a blade fold kit on that aircraft, production kit, uh, you got small ship fit in a hangar. I mean, operationally, th that, that was the thing. We have uh, right now, we're focused on Sikorsky FVL light and FVL medium. Uh, FVL light is, is, is Ferro right now. FVL medium is uh, Flora. These are right now DOD Army programs primarily. Uh, we believe they offer efficient hover and cruise speeds. Uh, low speed maneuverability, that's where the focus is, to give them good helicopter. Uh, make them adaptable, they've got to be survivable in the end. And as I mentioned uh, originally, they're all going to be intelligent and aware of what's around them. Uh, this is a timeline as to where, you know, we have the uh, aircraft. We've got Raider out there in 2015, Fair out there. We've got co the companies are out there battling that one right now. Uh, Army wants initial operating uh, operator IOC in 2028. Uh, floor is going to lag two, three years or so beyond that. We'll see. Uh, so we have two demonstrators that bracket the operational, uh, what we see the needs out there. The smaller variant, we see a diff bunch of different mission roles, uh, ship fit. <laughs> 
possible commercial variants. And on the other side, what we see is uh, two variants, one being an assault aircraft, one being possibly an attack variant. Other part that we have to, that we're starting to see with all the services, interoperability, not only with the same kind of aircraft, but other aircraft out there. So the, in this case, the big one's going to be UAVs. How is that flight crew going to manage that UAV team? Could be upwards of four or five or more. It's not going to be flying joystick of those four aircraft. It's going to be more tablet-like identifying where those UAVs need to go. Now, that aircraft out there was our rotor-blown wing concept uh, that I was uh, chief engineer for, for DARPA X-Plane. So what do we have for X2? Low risk? It's got pretty straightforward technology. There are some challenges we, we, we are working right now. It does have the next generation capability. It's got speed and range. It's got speed and range to meet emerging threat environment and to change productivity, at least from a commercial perspective. Size and maneuverability, it's a little bit smaller. Disloading is a little bit higher than a traditional helicopter. It's all about effectively and safely meeting the mission. And for military variant, it's being designed for survivability, lethality when it does need to be, and low noise in a compact package. From across the globe, from the center of aerospace, and now to you. Thank you for downloading. Visit www.aerosociety.com to download more from this series and other multimedia content from the Royal Aeronautical Society. If you enjoyed this content, please consider showing your support for the Society. Share a link to this presentation by email or on your favorite social networks. If you have an interest in aerospace, consider the professional and personal benefits of membership. Visit www.aerosociety.com. This content is provided subject to our website and digital media terms of use. Please visit www.aerosociety.com for more information.